ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد one time our beloved prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam he was asked by one of the blessed companions if he should fast on a monday and the prophet responded by citing two things. The first thing he mentioned, he said, I was born on a Monday. And the second thing he mentioned, and I received revelation on a Monday. So he's not only encouraging this Sahabi to do this once in a lifetime, once in a while, he's giving him two profound reasons in encouragement to support him in this act of qurba, in this act of coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. The Prophet mentioned two key things, one in connection with the Qur'an, one in connection with the Sunnah. This is the blessed month in which the Prophet was born, والسلام, and there's also the, the irony that it's also the month, it's also the same day in which he passed away. والسلام, the majority opinion in terms of when he was born, the 12th of Rabi'il Awal, and we definitely believe that that's also Ironically, 63 years later, the day that he passed away, the point that I want to, to really zoom in on, because frankly speaking, oftentimes as Muslims, we may unintentionally, this time of year, every year, we may unintentionally miss the forest for the trees. Some people, they get caught up in this debate, they get caught up in that debate. At the end of the day, live and let live. Live and let live. What, are, what is your intention? What are you doing? to come closer to Allah in general, and what are you doing to prepare for your akhirah? What are you doing to follow in the footsteps of our beloved Prophet ﷺ? That should be my utmost concern. There's no question we're aware of things going on around us. And there are times and places when there is, with incredible wisdom, compassion, kindness, and love, as the Prophet taught us, there is a time and a place to correct other people, to offer advice to other people, yes, but there are conditions. One of the conditions for that, you cannot prevent something in which there's a different valid opinion regarding. Someone may do one thing which is valid. Someone, someone may do another thing which is valid. Live and let live. If we waste our time getting caught up in issues on the fringes and we miss the forest for the trees, then I'm missing an opportunity that day, that night, those seconds, those minutes of spending them in better ways. What I do want to zoom in on is in connection with the incredible example the Prophet left us with, the incredible legacy that he left us with. It's not just about his words, which are the best of the best to come from any person. Look at his actions, look at his character, look at how he lived in certain instances, look at how he overcame different challenges. 
year-round, this time especially, we should spend time connecting with the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. Because the reality is, and I say this with no judgment towards anyone whatsoever, the reality is, most Muslims themselves are not aware of who the Prophet was in detail. There is a generic love, and that's beautiful, that's good. Hopefully that's salvation come the day of judgment. We hope and we pray for that. But we need to step our game up. We need to take it a step further to learn more about who the Prophet was. There can be a generic love. There can be a general love. But the more detailed your understanding becomes of the Prophet ﷺ, naturally, the more you fall in love with him. You can't help it. If a person has never read the seerah before, there are many resources in many languages, some short, some long, some in the middle. There are so many resources, but it's up to us to take that step to try to learn more about who he was. Some people prefer reading. That's their preference that's the learning method that they prefer. Let them lean into that in connection with the Prophet ﷺ. Some people prefer watching. Let them lean into that strength in connection with learning about the Prophet ﷺ. Some people prefer learning audibly by listening. Let them lean into that in connection with learning more about who our blessed Prophet was ﷺ. Go to any resource from any scholar you trust, any institute you trust. There are so many out there. There's so much good. Connect with that, reflect on it, let it become a deeper connection in the heart and in the soul. Let it permeate every corner of your being in reference to the love of the Prophet ﷺ. I want to mention a few instances in connection with his character, with who he was. What was his reality? What, was, what did he live by? What were the principles that he lived by? Saying something is one thing in general, backing it up and living in accordance with it, and then some, is a whole nother challenge. And that's exactly what the Prophet did, He taught us beautiful things with his words, incredible things. And what makes that even more beautiful, that he backed it up with his actions. And I, I want to take a step back and, and, and mention an ayah before getting to a couple examples from his blessed life, when Allah Azza wa Jal mentions at the beginning of Surah Al-Qalam, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ When Allah mentions, there's no doubt whatsoever. Allah is saying this for sure. For certain, there's no shadow of a doubt whatsoever. Regarding the statement that's about to be said, Allah is saying there's no doubt whatsoever that you, in the singular, إِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ there's no doubt you are, there's no doubt you are upon Khuluq and Azim. Great character, incredible character, the best character, The wrinkle that I want to highlight that makes this even more incredible, not just regarding the Prophet, his life, his character, beyond incredible, and also very relatable. Allah is mentioning this to the Prophet and about the Prophet ﷺ at the beginning of his mission. At the beginning of his mission. So it's not like the Prophet lived these 23 years and then Allah is saying that over that period of time, you had incredible character, which he did ﷺ. Allah is saying this at the beginning. So in a sense, there's this added layer of pressure. 
when Abu Jahl is trying to poke and prod the Prophet ﷺ, when Abu Lahab is trying to poke and prod, when the wife of Abu Lahab is trying to poke and prod, if you take a step back and if you look further into Surah Al-Masad, Tabat Yada, why does Allah describe the wife of Abu Lahab as having this rope of palm fiber around her neck? Why? Because she had this incredibly expensive necklace. And she hated the Prophet ﷺ so much, she said that I'm going to go and sell this necklace and use whatever money that I get to oppose him. She was so, so like, her hatred was so deep that she was even willing to go to that extent. So how does Allah respond? And you find this time and time and time again in the Qur'an. You can't mess with the Prophet ﷺ. Allah was always very quick to defend the Prophet ﷺ. As soon as she says that, as soon as she makes that intention and she's going down that path, Allah responds, Tabat Yada. So Allah puts Abu Lahab in check and also his wife in check. Abu Lahab uh, uh, completely, unfortunately, embarrasses the Prophet or tries to, والسلام, at the beginning of the Prophet's mission. So now it's, it's a little sapling. A sapling is far more sensitive than a giant oak tree, than a giant redwood tree. It's very early on. Things are very soft and sensitive. This is the first time the Prophet publicly gathers his people. Before that, there were two, three years of, of private da'wah, of quiet da'wah, and then now he's going public. So this is when the Prophet ascends Mount Safa. This is when the Prophet, he, he gathers his people. Safa at that time was like CNN breaking news now. If someone goes there and if they have news, I mean, this is, this is extremely important. So he goes there, he gathers his people and he asks them, we know the story. If I were to tell you that there was an army that was about to attack, would you believe me? They said, of course, you never lied to us. And then he delivers, in a nutshell, the message of Islam. In that context, now think, Abu Lahab was so happy when the Prophet was born, he actually celebrated by, by freeing the, the girl, the slave girl who came to him to give him the news. He was so happy, he freed her. And the Prophet mentioned, because of that, his punishment is going to be reduced in the fire. Because of that act. He publicly attacks the Prophet. This is what you gathered us here for? He basically cusses him out in very few words. This isn't just anyone. We need to understand in a tribal society, this is his paternal uncle. The paternal uncle is like the father. So the prophet, he's inviting people. It's, it's the, the first time he's publicly inviting people to Islam. And this is how, had Abu Lahab had a different response, it would have had a huge positive effect. But he made things difficult. So he responds in that way. And, Allah res and his wife responded how she did. Allah responds, putting Abu, uh, uh, Abu Lahab in his place and also his, his wife in her place. You can't mess with the Prophet when the Prophet is slandered, when again, his, another baby boy of his dies. And people make fun of him. His enemies make fun of him. Your male children keep dying. You're abtad, you're cut off. No one is going to remember you. No one is going to care about you. You're going to go and disappear and... You know, who's going to remember you? That's what the haters said. But Allah said, what? We have elevated your remembrance. Allah mentioned that in Mecca. 
Why are we gathered here? The Prophet taught us, والسلام, the importance of Jum'ah. Why do we value community? The Prophet taught us the value of community. Why do we value the Qur'an? The Prophet taught us the value of Qur'an. How much has he done for us? And then what are we willing to do for him? What are, what are we willing to learn? What are we willing to sacrifice and do? When Allah says, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Allah says this at the beginning of the mission of the Prophet and the Prophet upholds that standard throughout his mission It's kind of like there was all this hype before LeBron was drafted that made it more difficult for him especially early on in his career All eyes are on you He's lived up to it He's even surpassed it That's a very small example Now think of who the Prophet was Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiyya ayuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Sallallahu ala muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I want to mention very briefly a few specific examples that we can reflect on and we learn these when we zoom in on the Prophet alayhi salatu wa salam when we zoom in on his example, on his legacy on who he was and how he was alayhi salatu wa salam when the Prophet goes to Ta'if, he's already completely heartbroken. He's already in a very, very vulnerable state. He's already in a state of deep pain from two different angles. One, his primary internal supporter, Sayyidah Khadija, she passes away. His primary external political supporter, another one of his paternal uncles, Abu Talib, he passes away. All within days of each other. Why does he go to Ta'if? Because now in Mecca, the, these two key figures in his life are gone, especially Abu Talib. He doesn't have, they still had difficulties, no question. But Abu Talib was a type of political shield. Now that's gone. Now he, he, he's at the mercy of who? He's at the mercy of those who have no mercy. Now who's running Mecca? People you can't trust whatsoever, not even on the most basic level regarding respecting their human rights. So he starts looking elsewhere. He, that's why he goes to Ta'if. He needs to find a new space for the Muslims to exist peacefully. In this broken state, he goes to Ta'if, and we know what happens. Unfortunately, he's chased out of the city. If they were to not accept his message, that's one thing. On top of that, the leaders of the city, they, they unleash you know, the, the riffraff and the rubble in society on him. And unfortunately, them not knowing how incredibly terrible, they didn't realize they were doing what they were doing. As inexcusable as it was, no question. They didn't realize it. The Prophet, he makes it out, alayhi salatu wasalam. And this is incredible. This comes from an extremely unique heart, alayhi salatu wasalam. At that point in time, his own blood is still on him. Not in him, now it's on him. Now his, his, his blood has, uh, is on the outside. It's external now. He's in his own blood. And Jibreel comes to him and gives him the opportunity at that point in time. This wasn't later. At that point in time, Jibreel comes to him and basically gives him the opportunity if you want. The angels who are in charge of these mountains, they can completely destroy the city. 
What does the Prophet respond with, No. Maybe their children will become Muslim. Maybe their children, their offspring will become guided. Look at the depth of concern the Prophet has for the next generation. He just went through what he went through and he responds in this way. That's how concerned he was about the next generation. And then years later, what ends up happening? They end up embracing Islam. Until now, you find the best roses from where? In the world. From Ta'if. You can't make this up, That's who our Prophet was. The second example, and I'll conclude with this. Again, when we zoom in on the legacy, the life of the Prophet there's so much beautiful musk and fragrance that we benefit from. There's always going to be something that we can relate to when we connect with the seerah of the Prophet Always. It's a never-ending cycle. If you finish one book, you start another. You finish one lecture series, you start another. Or start the same one over again. Guaranteed there's going to be benefit. Because of who he was, At the time of the conquest of Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ, he's, he's on his way. And he, he wore many different hats, so to speak. And he was the best at everything he did, historically speaking, This is no exaggeration. So now, in the context of him being an army general, they're on their way after Quraysh consciously assisted a tribe that they were allied with to attack another tribe the Muslims were allied with. So they consciously broke the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the conditions. They knew what they were doing, they did it anyways. This leads to the conquest of Mecca from the Prophet and the Muslims. The Prophet's on his way. Think of every, we don't have time to get into it. Think of everything he went through in Mecca, everything the Muslims went through in Mecca. And then on top of that, the challenges in Medina. Ya Badr, Uhud, Ahzab. There's so much. At this point in time, one of his soldiers, one of the companions mentioned, today is a day of malhama. Today is a day of slaughter. Today is a day of revenge. That Sahabi is saying that primarily in connection with the Prophet. He's primarily upset with these people because of the pain that they've caused the Prophet. And the Prophet is the one saying, no, today is a day of marhama. Today is a day of mercy. Today is a day of compassion. The Prophet had this incredible balance between mercy and justice. Justice, definitely there, there, there are instances in his life we can zoom in on. You have perfect justice. But options one, two, three, four, and five were always mercy. So the, the takeaway action item for me first and foremost, and hopefully all of us here, let's reflect what is something small that I can take away from this reminder and live it between today and next Friday, inshallah. How can I live kindness over the next week? How can I live compassion over the next week? What's something that I can do to reflect the light of the Prophet ﷺ? We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to open our hearts and to fill our hearts with abundant love for Him and His Messenger. We ask Allah to help us to try our best to follow in the footsteps of our beloved Nabi ﷺ. We ask Allah to gather us with Him in the hereafter. We ask Allah to make us from among those who have the best of character and send the most salawat upon Him because through these avenues we'll become the closest to Him. We hope in the hereafter. We ask Allah for the best of this life and the next. We ask Allah for, his, for, for protection 
from his punishment. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنًا وَقِنْ عَذَابَ النَّارِ رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنْ نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْنَا إِسْرًا كَمَا حَمَلْتَهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تُحَمِّلْنَا مَا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا بِهِ وَاعْفُ عَنَّا وَاغْفِرْ لَنَا وَارْحَمْنَا أَنْتَ مَوْلَانَا فَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ